Excoriated Todd Frazier. I am bad. I am nationwide. I'm assuming most of you saw the Twitter extravaganza yesterday featuring ex-pirate Todd Frazier and his .086 batting average. He got cut. I was glad. I said so. He got mad. And then I buried him like a dead dog. This loser got cut twice by the Pirates. Cut twice by the worst team in baseball. And that was confirmed last night that the Pirates are indeed the worst team in baseball when they lost seven, they lost to Cincinnati 14-1 at PNC Park. How do you get cut by that team, let alone twice? But Todd Frazier did, and now his career is over. And he's a dink, but you know, a lot of athletes are dinks, and it's small wonder. Star athletes are put on pedestals from the time they're kids and get more and more entitled every step of the way with their parents enabling every step of the way. By the time they get to Todd Frazier's level, while wow, they're out of control, and obviously there are many worse than him, like Aaron Rodgers. He's a total 100% selfish troll, and very few people ever call him on it. So, it's the athlete's fault, but it's also their parents' fault, and their friends' fault, and their family's fault, and the media's fault, and all our faults, because we have enabled to this point. Uh, it's just no surprise the way the athletes are anymore. In fact, it's routine, so F them, but F us too, because there's a lot of blame to go around. But in the spirit of this segment, I'm gonna boil it down. I'm gonna narrow down my target. So hey, Todd Frazier, and your fat shaming, and your misogyny, and your bullying, and your bigotry, and your .086 average, and especially your dead career, which I mock. Ha <laughs> ha! I spit on you like that. I mock. Guess what? You just made the list. The list brought to you by Matt Mertz Plumbing. Current under name you can trust. Dial 412-367-0815. And you people just wait till we play Jackson. I want to stay with this for a minute. I'd take calls on it, too. We give benefit of the doubt to some jackass because he can hit a ball or throw a ball or shoot a puck or make a jump shot. And chances are him being able to do that went a long way toward making him a jackass in the first place. That pedestal. And I just do not buy it. I do not excuse it. And don't tell me how hard they work. Athletic success is about 10% hard work and 90% lucky sperm. Look at all the juniors in, in all sports, the sons of former players. It's lucky sperm. It's not hard work. It's lucky sperm. Or maybe very carefully planned parenthood. Not in the case of Devin Butch, though. Yikes. 412-333-WXDX. We got Dan Rosen of NHL.com. 
I'm still debating whether to tell the story about what upset me greatly over the weekend. We got calls. We'll go with calls now. Let's go to Joe in Ocean City. Joe, you're on with Double M. Yeah, Mark, sticking with the sperm talk. This Juju, Devin Bush thing, you could see it coming. Well, well with right Juju, now right? it's a Devin Bush thing, but go ahead. Right. But with Devin Bush, well, my, well, my point is about him, is this shows you how far this whole shift has come. Of all the people, you know, with his father playing, but Derek, I mean, he got Hall of Famer, uncle or godfather or whatever, being raised in that environment within the game, and then to still like now that young generation, you know, just constantly. Well, you know what? You know what? Out, I don't you know. dismiss Joe, and thank you for the call. I don't dismiss that the athletes were always dinks like this because they've always been on a pedestal. Although I think being placed on that pedestal starts now at a younger age than ever. Uh, but maybe the athletes were always like this, and we just didn't know because of no mass media, no social media, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, let's go to. Carlin in Kalen in Beaver. Kalen, you're on with Double M. Hey, uh, Mark, it's uh, it's Kalen. Um, Hi, Kalen. I'm gonna say, <laughs> I'm gonna say, uh, Pens in five. Um, say the Pens make it to the conference finals. I guess it's not the conference finals anymore, but say the Pens make it to the semifinals. Um, who do you think is going to come out of the Central? Well, don't forget they would recede, so they wouldn't necessarily play a team from this division or that division. It would be top points versus bottom points in the remaining seeds play. But if you're asking me who I think is going to get through each division, right. well, that's yeah. a tough one. If you made me predict, I'm going to say Pittsburgh. I'm going to say, I hate to, but Toronto. I'm rooting for Winnipeg. <laughs> uh, Las Vegas. And in the Central, I'm going to go with Florida. Believe it or not. Yeah, that's interesting. I was thinking uh, Carolina, but yeah, Florida, Florida, Florida's definitely tough, too. I think Florida's going to knock off Tampa Bay. I reserve the right to change my predictions before the playoffs start, as always. The last day before a season starts or a playoff starts or whatever start is when I make my official prediction. But right now, that's what I'm saying, and I'm saying Penguins in six, and that will not change. Let's go to John and Gibsonia. John, you're on with Mark. I'm a big fan, big fan. Thank you very little. I, I've always thought real good athletes had thick skin. I mean, you got to be strong and everything to become a great athlete. And the hard times and good times, don't they have to have thick skin to get through all of that? Oh, no. Like I said, that's because they're put on pedestals uh, from a very early age. Go to a high school football game. Every parent in the stands thinks their kid's going to be a pro or a D1. Every parent. Sports parenting is at an all-time low, at a despicably all-time low. And we see evidence of all the time, things like the coaching change at Pine Richland. Hey, the other thing, another thing, if I may, Mark, I, I, unfortunately, I think Jacksonville is going to beat the Pens in five games. Let's go to Ed in Fox Chapel. Ed, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark, simple question. Do you think the numbers spell disaster for Tim Tebow in Jacksonville? I think they spell disaster for all of us. It's sacrifice. That's for sure, especially Samoa Joe. That was pretty good. Let's go to Mikey in Murraysville. Mikey, you're on with Double M. Oh, I'm sorry, it's Matt. Matt, boy, my eyes are killing me. Matt, what's up? 
I, I tell you, I love that you're taking Todd Frazier to the woodshed. And the only thing he can do is, you know, use ad hominem against you. The only thing I can think of when I read through those tweets is down goes Frazier, down goes Frazier. Yeah, somebody just tweeted that. Uh, yeah, I think he's a dink, and I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a couple things I could have handled in a more mature fashion, but I think I skinned him like a dead dog, or buried him well, like a dead dog, whatever phraseology you prefer. I would never skin a dead dog. That strikes me as messy. Let's go to Ryan in Michigan. Ryan, you're on with Double M. Hey, what up, man? What up, man? Hey, I just wanted to say I think uh, you got to take the Pens in five. Uh, you got the Islanders are going to get one at home only because they have, uh, besides us, the best home record. So, yep, going Pens in five. Uh, I think six or five. Uh, tell me what the Islanders have to do to make it a better and longer series than that. Probably have better goaltending, I would say. Yeah, they uh, they could. Just, you know, you know what's funny? The Islanders could win the goaltending battle and still lose the series. I think they have the same problem we do. They can put up points and they can put in goals, but they just... Oh, no, the, no. The they, they're having a lot of trouble scoring goals. 18th in the league. Uh, Varlamov ain't laner. When the Penguins lost to the Islanders in four straight in 19, not the goaltending stole the series, but they had laner then. Now it's Varlamov, and Varlamov ain't laner. Let's go to Doobie in the clouds. Doobie, you're on with double M. Uh, save me, 166. Right. Uh, Mr. Madden... Uh, it's so funny, I think, that you bring up uh, young athletes being put on a pedestal. Um, uh, just uh, yesterday, the almost Heisman third runner-up um, you know, was having issues and maybe he was found dead. Um, it, I, thought his brother was, I thought his brother was found dead. Oh, I thought it was actually him. No, that's very different. Oh. Thank you for the call. So your premise is flawed, and there you go. Uh Listen to this. The Pirates say they're not going to sell any more tickets till June, even though Governor Wolf has increased capacity because uh, the Pirates have already sold the tickets promising six feet of space in all directions, so it's too late to change. Yeah, the fans would be really upset by more people in the park. What you're really doing, Pirates, is you're selling less tickets because you know you can't sell more tickets. What a friggin' horror show that franchise is. If you told the Penguins, like, Saturday morning they could sell 4,000 more tickets, they'd do it. They'd do it for the game that night. 412-333-WXDX. Here's a great headline on Super 70 Sports. This Tim Tebow thing, it is promising. Tim Tebow just tried baking cookies for the first time, immediately signed by Keebler. Whammy! Uh, get your calls in. Dan Rosen at the bottom of the hour at 105.9. Now the super genius, Mark Madden. You're kidding me. That's ridiculous. You know what? I'm going to skip right to my original thought and just say, this is stupid, you're stupid, thanks for calling. The X at 105.9. There's an article on Deadspin about Colt Brennan, former Heisman runner-up, University of Hawaii quarterback, he died at 37. He was in rehab. But a bunch of football players have died young lately, and the article says this has to stop. Well, okay, tell me how to stop it. And are you blaming football because Colt Brennan had drug problems after his football career was over? Can you draw a connection? Maybe you can. But I just would like to know. 
412-333-WXDX. Let's go to Dale in Cannonsburg. Dale, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. How you doing, man? Good. How you doing? I'm doing all right, bud. Uh, so I just wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Tebow. I've been talking about it all day. I, I don't see anything wrong with it. I think it's rather pie in the sky, but it doesn't matter who the third tight end is. It doesn't matter who the last guy on the roster is. And maybe he can sell some jerseys and sell some tickets for really the only National Football League team that doesn't sell all its tickets. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I was, I guess, uh, more or less talking about the pushback from uh, like certain players tweeting out, uh, say, like Devin Bush. Uh, not sure that Devin Bush and what he said about Tebow is is relevant to anything I would think. I think it's up to the Jacksonville Jaguars. The the thing, like Keyshawn Johnson said, it takes an opportunity away from, you know, a legitimate full-time football player. But, but who cares about that guy? Believe me, if you're fighting for the last roster spot on the Jacksonville Jaguars and you don't get, quote-unquote, a fair shake, you're not that good to begin with. If you're player number 54 and don't make it because Tebow's player number 53, you weren't that good in the first place. Let's go to Carl in Greensburg. Carl, you're on with double M. Hey, yeah, so so being that the Pens got owned in the last two years in the playoffs, what, what makes you think this is going to be any different? Well, now, when you say get owned, uh, they lost to Montreal, and I was very disappointed. They lost the Islanders. That was disappointing. But they won Cups in, in 16 and 17. They still have very good players in Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. They finished first in their division. They go into the playoffs having won 8 of 10. They seem to have added structure and system where it didn't previously exist in these uh, episodes of getting owned you talk about. So what makes you think they don't have a chance? Hello? Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. Have you ever seen the Flyers win the Cup? You know you know what? That wasn't a Flyer fan. That was a Steeler fan. To which I can only say collapse, collapse, collapse. Three collapses. But wait till they play Jacksonville. Four one two three 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 WXDX. You see, somebody's saying we know the statistical. This is about Colt Brennan. We know the statistical rarity of high school and college athletes turning pro. Do you think putting athletes on a pedestal so early and the inevitable likelihood of failure to go pro exacerbates possible mental health issues? That's actually a very good question. It kind of ties the conversation I uh, initiated at 5 o'clock into the Colt Brennan situation. Uh, I don't know. I, I do know that sports parenting is terrible. I do know that the kids go on the pedestal far too young. But you know who solves that problem? The parents. More than anything, the parents solve it. You know, I'm, I'm watching Ozark. Bear with me here. There's a legitimate tie-in. I'm watching Ozark. And even though uh, Marty and Wendy Bird are the worst parents ever and they're felons who work for a drug cartel, and even though their kids get dissatisfied with them at times, at the end of the day, Marty and Wendy are their parents and they're turning out just like Marty and Wendy. And that's how it works. Disappointing kids had disappointing parenting. 99 out of 100 times. And that applies to 
athletes more than anybody. Like I said, athletes ain't hard work. It's lucky sperm. The parents supply the the egg and the sperm, but they should provide better parenting. And don't tell me I'm wrong, and don't tell me I can't speak to it because I don't have kids, because I've seen it a million times for a million years. All right, up next, going to talk hockey with Dan Rosen of NHL.com here on 105.9 The X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Konnichiwa, bitches. Konnichiwa. Hi, Marco. I have a porn question for you. That right there, my friend, that's asking for trouble. The X at 105.9. The NHL playoffs are going to start soon. Joining me now to discuss from NHL.com, he is their senior writer, Dan Rosen. Dan, uh, when are they going to start? Shouldn't we have a vague <laughs> idea by now? Yeah, we should. Well, I don't know. I mean, the matchups aren't even all set, Mark. You have to know that. I mean, West isn't set. North isn't set yet. Only the East and Central are set. And we know, I believe, that the Caps and the Bruins uh, will be opening up Saturday. And I think that might be the only game, but we might, we'll find out. Uh, and then we'll get uh, a bunch of games probably, you know, get some games on Sunday, hopefully some Monday, and away we go. But you got to get the matchups set first. Now, I'm not knocking the New York Islanders. I think they have a good team. But is it fair to say the Penguins got their preferred matchup? Yes. Yes, absolutely, yes. Um, and you're right. The, the Islanders are a good team, but they're not nearly as dangerous of an opponent as the Boston Bruins. And, and I say that now knowing what Taylor Hall has done with the Boston Bruins. He has really filled out that second line with David Krejci and Craig Smith and obviously you got the top line there with Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak. Uh, I think they're a real dangerous opponent. I think the Islanders, you know, while they, they will frustrate the Penguins, I have no doubt that they will do that. I, I'm just not sold anymore that, that they're, they're going to be able to score enough. And I think losing Andrews Lee was so big for that team because they lost a net front presence that very few teams can replicate with the size and the stick skills that Anders Lee has. And, yeah, I do think that the Penguins got their preferred matchup. That doesn't mean anything. Uh, but, the you know, the Islanders are frustrating. But I, if the Penguins can avoid getting too lost in that frustration, I think they'll be fine and come out on top in this series. Well, I think so, too. But it's worth noting the Islanders swept Pittsburgh in 2019 what are the biggest differences between those teams then and now? Not much. <laughs> you know, not much. Um, they, they play very much the same style. Uh, the goaltending is very much the same. The defense is very much the same. Uh, I, I, the big difference is Landers, Anders Lee is not there. Now, they did add Kyle Palmieri, and so he's a nice addition. He hasn't scored a lot, uh, but he can, and he has the ability to do that. Not much difference in the Islanders. They don't deviate really from their game. And what Barry Trotz talks about, Mark, is when they play Islander hockey, which means they're in your face, they're forechecking, their fourth line is terrific, uh, they're not giving you anything. You know, that, that home plate area in front of the net is closed off. That's the idea of when I say they'll frustrate, they can frustrate you. But if they have to get off of that game, for instance, if the Penguins are able to get a lead in some of these games and force the Islanders to chase, it's a completely different game. I actually think the biggest difference between the teams in 2019 versus the teams now is the Penguins. I think they're a deeper team. I thought they're, they're surprisingly deeper than I thought they would be. Uh, I think they play with more chemistry than they did in that year, in that series. 
I, I just think they're a better team now than they were in that year. And that was the end of the cup run era, basically, or that capital series in 2018 was. And now they haven't won a playoff. They've won one postseason game since that Capitals loss in 2018 in six games. So it's like, you know, trying to go for it again here and starting over. And I think they have the team to do it. I do, too. I think the big difference for Pittsburgh might be they're a lot more skilled and mobile in the back, aren't they, Dan? You don't have good Branson. Yeah. You don't have Jack Johnson. You got guys like Marino. You got Mike Matheson, who's been a revelation. And I think that might uh, make the Islanders work a bit harder in the neutral zone, which they really shut down back in 19. A hundred percent. It's a really good point, and it's more of the modern way the NHL is played these days. Is that, you know to have the puck moving mobile defenseman there. I, I mean, I think you always need a little bit of snarl on your back end, a little bit of that grit on your back end. But that's not to say they don't have it. I mean, you know, they do. But when you have more of those puck-moving guys, you're right. They'll be able to break out. They'll be able to get the Islanders on their heels a little bit. They'll they'll turn their D. They'll force them to go the other way. And it's gonna that that's a way that they really can turn the Islanders' game against them and really frustrate them that way. If they don't allow the Islanders, if they get the puck in the D zone, I'm talking about the Penguins, and they're able to quick transition, you're not allowing the Islanders to set up their forecheck. When you allow the Islanders to set up their forecheck, they will eat you up. But if, they, if, they, if you don't allow them to do that, and with the mobile D that they have, they, they should be successful in this, then they'll be able to transition on the Islanders and get the puck in the zone, and that just frustrates the Islanders because that takes them right out of the Islander hockey that Barry Trotz talks about. Who has the coaching edge? Because Trotz and Sullivan are certainly comparable, but they both coached in 2019. Yeah. <laughs> Can I say even? I mean, I think they're two of the best coaches in the yeah, league. Yeah, me too. I think that's what's... I think that's what this division has. That's what's going to be so fascinating to see how these series go in the first round with, with these two and Sullivan and Trotz and then with Cassidy and, and Peter Laviolette. You've got four of the best coaches in the league, four of the winningest coaches in the league in the last several years. Uh, I can't say there is a coaching edge, Mark. I, I, wish, I wish I could, and a lot of times you, you, you might be able to, but I, I can't say there's a coaching edge in this series. These two are too good. We're talking to Dan Rosen, senior writer for NHL.com here on the Mark Madden Show. Dan, is Pittsburgh more systemic now? It certainly looks that way. Uh, I don't know if they were scared into it when they had the GM change, but uh, that's kind of the timeline. Possible. I mean, they certainly have shown me since the GM change, and, and by systemic I imagine you, you mean like, they're playing to the system, playing four lines. Just, just those, managing score and, score and situation a little yeah. bit better, maybe weighing risk versus reward a little bit better. I, I think so. I do think it's a big part of their success, and when they deviate from it, you see what happens, like the third period against the Devils or the seven spot the Flyers put up against them. But those things, look, that's going to happen on occasion to every team, no matter how good or how bad they are. But I do agree with you in that. I, I, I think that they... And I think it goes to their depth. I think they understand that they can go deeper than we thought they might have been able to go at the start of the season. Sullivan's done a terrific job with that, and he's not afraid to play everybody. And I think when you're doing that and you're playing everybody, you, you are playing to score and you're playing to clock and you're doing all those things in the right fashion. The Islanders do that too. They do it well. They play to score and they play to clock very well, especially when the play to score is in their favor. Uh, so that's going to be interesting to see. But 
there is a there's a little bit from what I've seen of the Penguins. I agree with you. I think there's a little bit less risk. It's a little bit more north to south type of hockey, uh, and I think that plays into their advantage. Now, Malkin's an east west guy, right? He can he's a great north player, but he's an east west guy. And now you know him being back fully. Does that change that? I don't know that it does, and I don't know that if it does, it changes it for the worse, but it's something to watch. Who has the edge in goal? Because uh, as good as Varlamov is, he's not Laner, who was in goal for the Islanders two years ago. Yeah. It's a good question. If the Islanders are playing the way they know how to play, then the Islanders have the edge in goal. Because Varlamov is very much an Islanders system goalie, in my opinion. He's a very good goaltender, but I just think that he is his numbers and he is so good and consistent, largely because the shots he sees are not all that dangerous. Some of them are, but not all of them. The grade A's are, are limited, and he doesn't see a lot of them. If the Islanders get out of their style of play, that doesn't bode well, and then I think it flips to the Penguins having the advantage. But if you ask me, when each team is playing their best, I think it's the Islanders have the better goaltending. What about Boston and Washington in that other series in the East? Uh, because Washington is not 100% healthy, far from it. No, they're not, and it's a dangerous thing when you think about it. Ovechkin hasn't played. Uh, he may play tonight. Um, they they They've dealt with the Kuznetsov stuff and the Samsonov stuff. And, um, you know, they've got other injuries there, too. They are far from healthy. It's it's not a good time for them to have all these issues, obviously. And then you're facing off against the Boston Bruins, who have gotten healthy for the most part, who have figured out their top six, and it's much deeper, have the edge, the clear edge in goaltending without question with the experience of Tuka Rask versus whoever it is, Vanacek or Samsonov, who have zero NHL playoff game experience between them. Uh, you know, I know I, I get it. I know the Washington's IRC, they're going to have home ice. I don't think home ice is going to matter all that much this year. And then you got, I think the Bruins are a machine, and uh, I wouldn't uh, – I, 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 I don't think I would pick the Capitals if they were even playing the Islanders, to be honest with you. I just don't like the way they're trending right now. And I do like the way Boston's trending. And uh, I look at Taylor Hall. I don't know whether to be mad because he played so bad in Buffalo or impressed with how he's playing in Boston. It's an unbelievable turnaround. He could be both. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you could be both. I'm sure the Sabres fans are mad. But you know what I mean? It's also, it, it's also where you are. I mean, look, when he arrived in Buffalo, the idea, Ralph Kruger's plan was he was going to play with Jack Eichel, and he was going to play on the power play with Jack Eichel, and that was going to be a one-two punch on the top line, and it was going to be dynamic, and, and it all the trimmings of it. It really did. But Jack got hurt, and Jack wasn't available at the start of the season, and Jack did, then he got hurt again, and he wasn't playing, and Taylor didn't get off to a good start. He didn't have what he was expecting there. He goes to Boston, and I, I said it before the trade deadline, Mark. I wrote about it. I said it on the network. I said it in a number of places. The Boston Bruins were the perfect perfect landing spot because he can go there and he doesn't have to be the man. He just has to be Taylor Hall. And that's exactly what he is right now. He's playing on a line with a guy who can get him the puck in David Krejci and a line with a guy who's going to drive the net in Craig Smith. And they have chemistry. They have clear chemistry. It's working. It's not like Taylor Hall was a bad player. 
in Buffalo. I mean, heck, I think the guy had 17 assists in Buffalo on a team that didn't score goals. He still managed 17 assists. I, and that's not that bad when he, all things considered. He wasn't scoring. They weren't winning. But I knew when he got to Boston that this was going to work because David Krejci makes it work with whoever he plays plays with. Dan, what are your picks? Who's going to win, Pittsburgh and the Islanders? Who's going to win, Washington and Boston? I've got the Penguins winning that one uh, against the Islanders and the Bruins winning. So they'll have a Pittsburgh Bruins second-round matchup, and we'll see how these teams – it's two heavyweight matchups. That's the interesting thing. So it's going to be interesting to see how uh, each team comes out of the series, the winner. I think the Penguins win, and I think the Bruins win, and I think it's going to be a great second-round series. But what's the health going to be like after – well, it could be a you know six or seven game slugfest for both teams. And it's funny, Dan, because and I have no rational reason, but I like Pittsburgh against Boston in the second round a lot more than I would have in the first round. I don't know why, but the Penguins have had such <laughs> trouble getting past the first series. Maybe. Yeah, that, that's a possibility. I, I do. I could see that. I, I don't know that I would because I think the Bruins are a team. They're they're sort of like. When they get going, they start going downhill really – Like and I didn't mean like a train going downhill, and you can't stop them. That's kind of how I see them. Like when they get out of the first round, they're a team that goes to the Stanley Cup final. i got to ask real quick about the uh, Tampa-Florida-Carolina triumvirate. Uh, I see Tampa as a really good team. They have a really tough path, don't they? Really tough path, and they are, the opponent is really challenging for them. The one thing with the Florida Panthers and the, and the Tampa Bay Lightning, you look at those two teams and you say a lot of skill, a lot of skill on the ice, especially with Stamkos and Kucherov expected back. These two teams battled. They are the top 10 in hits. Both of them are top 10 in hits, and they're both top 10 in shot attempts percentage, which is a puck possession game. So usually when you're a high-hit team, you don't have the puck a lot. They have the puck a lot, and they still hit a ton. So they're they're brutally Big physical teams, too, with all the, that skill. But here's the thing with Tampa. Kucherov has got, he's got all kinds of skill. He's great, right? Hasn't played a game this season. How's he going to look? Stamkos has been out since, mid, since early April. How's he going to look? And the worst thing about it is Victor Hedman is not 100%. The last time the Tampa Bay Lightning went into the playoffs when Victor Hedman was not 100%, they lost in four games to the Columbus Blue Jackets. He matters that much to this team. And I understand Aaron Ekblad's not 100%, but they're used to it now without Ekblad. The, the Lightning are not used to it, and he's the one player they can't replace. I'm picking, I'm picking Florida in this series. Great minds must think alike, Dan. I did just that a little bit ago. Dan, thank you so much for your expertise. Always a pleasure. Great work on the dot-com, and enjoy the playoffs. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Anytime. That's Dan Rosen. Love having him on. Great stuff from him. Yeah, that 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 division with Tampa, Carolina, and Florida, that's one where you needed to finish first. Because Tampa, to win the Cup, and they're the defending champ, and they're real good. Tampa's going to have to beat Florida, then Carolina, then two more good teams. To win the Cup, if you have to beat four good teams, you might not win the Cup. That's like the Penguins. When they when they won the Cup, like the, the, the Rangers that first year, there was no way they were going to lose the Rangers. I mean, they played with friggin' Tishy in goal. Jeff Zadkoff and split the first two games. You need a series like that. Penguins in 9 I still don't know how they did it, but Carolina fluked their way to the conference final, and the Penguins beat the snot out of them. You need a series like that. It's tough to win four good series in a row.
Time now to ask Mark anything. 412-333-WXDX. Call now and ask Mark anything. That number one more time. 412-333-WXDX. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Does your girlfriend want to bang a penguin? Well, dang, but I guess if that's your freebie, then my freebie would be Crosby. But, uh... Wait, what? DX at 105.9. Time now to ask Mark anything. Brought to you by Fox Bet. Make the call. Download the app today. Numbers 412-333-WXDX. Let's go to Paul in North Huntington. Paul, you're on with Double M. Mark, observation. Why goalies have seemed to forget how to poke check. I see many, so many goals scored close in that a, a poke check would, would remedy the problem, no? Your well, thoughts? it's the way they're coached, brah, and they're, not, they're coached to not poke check these days. I'll give, I'll give you a case in point. Uh, Flurry used to poke check all the time, right? Right. And still does, for that matter, in Vegas. But now when goalies have a guy like coming at them near the blue paint, they're told to use a technique called VH, one pad vertical, one pad horizontal, to cover the net, and the only vulnerable pot spot is over your shoulder, short side, which should be tough to hit, except last year in the playoffs, Montreal hit it when Matt Murray went VH a couple times. But it's a difference in style in what they're being coached, brah. They're told to go VH, vertical, horizontal, and you can't poke check and do that. Jari poke checks more than most. He doesn't poke nearly as much as I think he should. Let's go to Ryan in the car. Ryan, ask Mark anything. What up, Super G? What up, Mike? Hey, so what trophies are they going to hand out after the conference conference championship round? Oh, yeah, the Campbell trophies and the Wales trophy, right? Right. I don't know. I guess they'll have to arbitrarily designate because they're reseeding the uh, semis based on, you know, there's not set. It's not like an east and a west. Right, that's what I was just wondering. I don't know. I mean, is it that important? I, 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 I mean, I, I'd like this. I, I'm sure they'll just arbitrarily designate. All right, thank you. Thank you. That's a good question, though. One to which I do not know the answer. Let's go to Jason and Lebo. Jason, you're on with Double M. Hey, Double M. Uh, just a quick question. Why do you think so many people are so critical, not of you, but just in general, of others on social media? Everybody's an expert. Everybody has Oh, they're critical of me, to, to be sure. Uh, I get called a fat, obese pig every five seconds, literally. Right. But, like, in, in well, person, no, it's be- I mean, it's, Bro, it's because, like Mike Tyson said, social media has got us comfortable with the notion that we can disrespect people as much as we want and never get punched in the mouth. Right, but if they were ever exposed in public or in front of anybody else, then it seems like they would do a 180. Bro, there's one guy, and I should say his name, but I won't in case I ever decide to go against my better judgment, which I haven't so far. There's one guy on Twitter who I muted a long time ago, but he treats me viciously on Twitter. He's been very personal, said stuff about my mother, uh, about you know my weight, about my perceived sexuality, which he's incorrect about, just... All sorts of horrible things. And somebody said to me one day, hey, you know that guy so-and-so? Here's his real name and where he lives. Would you, would, would you reveal it, though, if, if you had that no, information? No, no. I, I would go to his house and kick the crap out of him in front of his wife, who I'm told is a pig. Okay. Not, not ugly and fat, just like she'll, you know, the neighbor, the mailman, the, the gardener, groups of four and five. But, but like I said, so far, I have, I have used my better judgment. Aren't you proud of me? Uh, you're a better man than me, Mark. Well, no kidding. Let's go to Mike in West Newton. Mike, you're on with Double M. Hey, 
hey, Double M, uh, I used to be a huge wrestling fan in the 80s and somehow like lost track in the 90s, and I've been watching videos of you on YouTube. Huh, why would you do that? Because uh, I, I like you. Oh, nice. And okay, go ahead. I recently saw a video of you and Gene Okerlund, and my question is, are you the only person that ever did a job for me and Gene? Uh, I did two. I got pinned by Gene twice, once in the tag match and oh, once really? in the worst singles match of all time. But somebody else did pin Gene. Uh, think real hard. Can you think who it was? You got pinned no, by I, Gene, I, rather. Did the job for Gene, like you said. Um, I couldn't even guess. Like maybe Mr. Fuji. Oh, really? There was a tag match in WWE. I think it was Hulk Hogan and Gene Okerlund against Mr. Fuji and his protege. I want to say it was Don Morocco. But but uh, Gene pinned Fuji. Uh, all right. So Gene's 3-0. and That's pretty impressive. By the way, neither Gene or I wanted to do that. And if you want proof of that, watch the video. Let's go to Mason in Pittsburgh. Mason, you're on with Double M. Hey, what's going on, man? What's up, Mason? Not much. Hey, question. Uh, so you know like the new starting goalie for the Penguins. Do you think that he's going to see any playoff action with that shutout win? On the Is last this Mason from McKeesport used to call? No. No, okay. I'm from uh, North Hills. Oh, don't, okay, good. Uh, no, I don't think Legacy's <laughs> going to play at all, Mason. Why? Do you think he should? I think he should, man. I mean, he played really good, 29 saves. How old are you, Mason? Win. How old are you? I'm 31, brother. You're 31? You sound like you just yeah. hit puberty. I mean, <laughs> put it this way. If you're dumb enough to think Legacy should play, you're dumb enough to... Uh, anyway, let's go to the greatest in Latrobe. The greatest. You're on with double M. Let's go, Bucos. Yep, hey, thanks for the call. Wait, what? Hello? Hey, Super, yeah. Okay, hey, go ahead. Um, What's up? I got a question for you. Do you think that when Tom Brady brings Julian Edelman into Tampa Bay that the dude that wears number 11 will give it up for Edelman? Do you think he's going to go to Tampa? Do you, I mean, I, I haven't dismissed the possibility, but I just don't see where Tampa needs him or even I'm, comes close I'm to needing you, him. Tom, Tom Brady, look how he's, he recruits criminals, retirees. Yeah, but, but here's the thing, bro. Here's the thing. If they were going to bring in Julian Edelman, I don't think they would have re-signed Antonio Brown. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm, all right, oh, bro, you only got so many receiving spots. Write it down. The greatest says Edelman will be a Buccaneer this coming season. All right, thanks for the call, Greatest. By the way, Manchester City clinched the Premier League today. Liverpool are no longer reigning champions. Uh, City clinched like Liverpool did last year when the second-place team lost on a day when they did not play. United lost to Leicester, which, of course, Fs up Liverpool's hopes of finishing fourth. And now we play United Thursday. Let's go to Alex in the car. Alex, you're on with Double M. Uh, Mr. Madden, I wanted to know if you ever got a reaction from Sid on that awesome lead-in that makes me laugh every time, where the gentleman says if uh, the one where the gentleman says if his girlfriend's freebie is Latang, his would be Crosby. That's, uh, that no, makes never me got a reaction. Bummer. I think so too. Thank you for the call. More hockey talk tomorrow should be great. I still haven't told that story about why I'm pissed. Maybe tomorrow. What a build, huh? One oh five nine.